As you all know, short football analysis is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. And this week, we are bringing back our Thursday night points promo. The total points scored in the Thursday night game between the Green Bay Packers and Arizona Cardinals represent the percentage of any product on the site Friday, October 29th. Our week four promo resulted in 45% off site-wide. Visit sharpfootballanalysis.com on Friday and check out the blue banner at the top of the page, which will have the discount code. What is going on, Sharp Football family? It is the resident Swami of Konami, Rich Rebar, and we are here. We are in the halfway point of the fantasy regular season for most of your leagues out there, which is pretty wild to think about. It's usually a little earlier, but uh, week seven this year, playoffs usually week 15 through 17. I also, uh, we're going to get into the, the little bit of team management here uh, for redraft and, and dynasty today. Um, but let me bring my guest on, little intros and ple- pleasantries kind of out of the way. I've got Ryan McDowell, someone that I've got to hang out with a couple of times now in person, arguably the nicest man in the industry. Uh, one of my favorite people. Ryan, what's going on, brother? What is going on, man? Glad to be on here with you. Thanks for the compliment. I don't, I don't know if that's true, but... Uh... Glad, glad to be thought of that way for sure. Oh, no, absolutely. One of the genuine sweethearts of the industry. Uh, you know, before we get into kind of, you know, into the weeds of what we're going to talk about, uh, I always like to at least give some people a little bit of runway. And you've been kind of an OG in the fantasy streets and bringing Dynasty along to the levels it is now. Um, but I always like to just ask people to kind of just reset the story a little bit for anyone that hasn't found you, because we have a little new audience here. Not everyone here is from fantasy. We're on the Sharp Fantasy we're on the sharp football feed, which is an all fantasy. So some people that maybe have found you give us a little bit of uh, info kind of on your background, how you got into fantasy football and, you know, kind of how things got to be where they are now for you. For sure. For sure. So uh, yeah, I started playing fantasy, actually dynasty, uh, a, a dynasty league was my first league. So that's, that's kind of unique. That's probably what has uh, led me into this, uh, this niche of dynasty versus uh, the redraft world, but uh, a coworker got me uh, involved in his college dynasty league. I jumped in that, uh, kind of ran that pretty quickly, and and fell in love with fantasy, with dynasty specifically. And um, you know, like we all do, just jumped in a million leagues eventually, and 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 just ate it up. And then uh, for me, as as far as kind of my space in, you know, I guess the industry, you could say Twitter was really the game changer for me. Um, like 2009, 2010, whatever that was, when when Twitter really blew up and became a thing, uh, just was active on there. And uh, eventually the the guys over at Dynasty League Football asked me to come on and be part of their team, uh, which at that point, I mean, that was before I was writing, before I was podcasting, wasn't really doing anything except spewing the thoughts on, on the mm-hmm you know, on the blue bird, uh, that, that was pretty much it. So this, this was a new thing for me, but took it on and, and same thing, just, just fell in love with it and have been with DLF ever since. So this is, uh, we're, we're almost at 10 years with DLF now and, uh, kind of worked my way up the ranks there and, and am now part owner, uh, over there. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's kind of the, the 10 second version. I love it. Uh, you know, the dynasty has just become such uh, a staple now of what I like to do and how I like yeah. to play um, and in the growth of it and just, just watching the expansion has been so great. And that obviously that helps you guys, but uh, all these other now sites, uh, there's more, so many more sites now that are doing dynasty content. It was when I was coming into fantasy, it was just you guys. Now that's now there's so many more. <laughs> yeah. It, it's great to see, you know, I mean, just like anything else, the, the, the competition fuels you, you know, a little bit. And, and obviously if there's enough, um, uh, enough need for multiple dynasty podcasts, multiple dynasty sites, then that's, that's a good thing for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, it's my favorite way to play. Uh, I encourage everyone to try it if they haven't. Sometimes it's, it could be a little bit overwhelming. I think for people, this, the, the amount of either rostered players or being tied to players and not being able to get new players every year, but it is the most fun way to play, I believe. And it's the most active all year long. If you're really a football fan, and that's what kind of we're going to bring into, we're going to hit some redraft stuff along the way, but obviously I'm not going to bring on the co-owner of Dynasty League Football and not make this a little Dynasty centric. And I think the timing of having you on is perfect. Cause like I said, we're halfway through 
the fantasy regular season for uh, basically every league out there, 95% of the leagues. And I think dynasty team management is at basically the, the, the critical fulcrum point, right? What do we do if I'm, if I'm, you know, six and one right now, or if I'm five and two, or if I'm four and four, if I'm two, there's so many different ways to play this. Cause in a redraft league, there's only one goal that your, 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 your team and your redraft league now that is sitting on two and five is probably checked out. You know, that, that owner is probably not really going to be the most active trade partner, even if they've got pieces or moves to make, even though there's seven weeks left and they could make a move. Uh, you start to see some of that checking out, but in, the g- great thing about dynasty is that it's continuous and there's an ebb and flow and everyone's kind of got different goals uh, and it can be beneficial to all teams to stay active throughout the season. And that's kind of why I love it. Uh, so we're going to kind of go over a little bit of like do's and don'ts, some things that people might be uh, thinking about in terms of roster management at this point. Uh, before we get into that real quick into the specifics, I first, I got to ask you because you're so busy, you work a day job, you do uh, you a lot on Twitter. Uh, you, you've got all these teams. How do you find the time to stay on top of all these commitments and transactions for all these leagues? I know you play in a ton of leagues. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in a bunch for sure. <laughs> so like uh, I think I'm probably in around 20 dynasty leagues, something like that. Uh, most of them are, you know, weekly managed, not, not best ball. There's a couple of best ball in there, but uh, mostly leagues that I, I do have to do waivers and, and lineups for every week. And um I mean, really, it's just kind of learning the schedule of the leagues. Uh, so many of them are, are kind of on the same schedule. Fortunately, the ones I run, you know, I know when waivers are obviously at the same time every week and, and can kind of lock that in. A few of the others are in that same time frame. And then the ones that are where waivers are running the weird times, that's the ones that, that I, I can get behind on sometimes and or forget about. But that's that's probably uh, true for everybody. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, probably the same story as, as a lot of people trying to stay up late and, and do those things after the wife and kids are in bed, get up uh, early in the morning, do the same thing if, if I need to. Uh, I mean, I, as a teacher, I get a whole 20 minute lunch break. So, you know, if maybe uh, five or 10 of those minutes are, are looking at waivers or trades or who I'm going to start uh, on Thursday night, really just kind of stealing some time away as much as I can. Yeah, it's a thankless job being a teacher. We appreciate you. I'm thanking you. Uh, my wife's a teacher too. Same thing. She just basically doesn't even pack lunch at this point. She's got to help so many kids through lunch. It's like, well, yeah. I'm not eating today. Uh, you know, especially through the last, you know, two years of uh, of life that everyone's lived. I mean, teachers really have not gotten enough credit to, for their for their job and the, the life maintenance they're providing for everybody. Uh, so, I mean, uh, we appreciate you, Ryan, and the job you Thanks, do during man. the day. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, some dynasty team management. And, uh, you know, all of us don't have great teams right now. Some of us don't have, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a couple that sleep, sneak through. Either some are in position to win, some are in position to oh, lose. Yeah. And uh, so let's talk a little bit what we're doing. Let's say we're like teams. You can take it any direction, whether it's a team at the top or the bottom. Uh, but I do think it's at the bottom. There's probably a different conversation of like how to like fully blow it up or to trade assets. But so like, let's just say uh, spin this in any direction you want, uh, depending on what your team, what are some of the things we're looking to do uh, to the midway point? Are we looking to be aggressive, aggressively buy, aggressively sell players? Uh, kind of just take this where you want. What does Riff uh, uh, kind of where you take it here? Yeah, I think really no matter where you are in the standings or or what your team's looking like at this point, I think the most important thing is just to be aware of that and to be honest, uh, kind of be honest with yourself. You know, sometimes it's hard. You you talk yourself into or you tell yourself you've got a contender. Uh, Maybe you're one game over 500, something like that. Uh, You're scoring well. You you talk yourself into that and it's, it's usually not the case, usually not the way it goes. So uh, really kind of be honest with yourself about where your team stands in comparison to the other teams in the league. Um, and and I, I try to do that with every one of my leagues on a weekly basis, Ch- you know, check the standings, check the, the total points. How am I scoring? Look at some of the other teams, especially the ones at the top of the standings. Uh, I mean, it may be a situation, even if I sneak into the playoffs, it, it doesn't really matter. Right. So that could uh, that could potentially push me in in one direction or the other, but I think that's the the number one thing is, is stay on top of your own team, be honest with yourself in in analyzing that, um, and of course that that involves everything else, right? That involves 
injuries that involves running back by committees and, and which players kind of trending in the right direction. I like to look at uh, past month scores. And, you know, now that we're basically two months into the season, look at the past three weeks or the past four weeks. Uh, you'll, you'll see some trends there with, with different players. So uh, it, it's, it's kind of all of those things wrapped into one uh, regardless of where you are in the standings. Um, so so yeah, let's say ahead. you have a team that's six and two or seven and one, you're first or second in points. You're feeling really good. You, you got Cooper cup or something. Yeah. You know, oh, nice. good. You probably do. It's like if your team's that high, but uh, how aggressive are you on those rosters in terms of, acquiring some of that the assets that could really kind of maybe sew this thing up are you are you one that doesn't really you still don't really want to pry with future picks or anything like that how aggressive do you play a team that is an actual contender on the when you realistically look at your rosters yeah I would say I'm not really that aggressive honestly um if I'm already sitting at the top I think another big piece of dynasty management fantasy team management in general is communication so if Wherever I am in the standings, I want to I want to be in communication with the the guys on the other end, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm yes. if I'm six and two, I want to start talking to those guys. <clears throat> excuse me, those folks that are that are at at the bottom at the bottom of the list. They're starting to give up at this point. Again, sh- you assume they're being honest about where they are. They're they're starting to pack it in, and it's not even one specific player. It's not that I've got to go get. Uh, this guy because I think he has a good schedule the last four weeks it's just picking their roster apart like what do they have that could help me Um, and if it's a if it's a QB2 great if it's um, you you know if they've got um, I don't know if they've got Dalton Schultz and and they're not a believer yeah let me have him like whatever Mm -hmm. they have that can help me it's not necessarily player specific it's it's more finding the team that I think is is a good match and then going from there and and really it's vice versa if i've got that bad team if i'm uh, in that productive struggle and and at the bottom of the the uh the standings i'm reaching out to the guys at the top you know i've got this guy i've got brady i've got antonio brown i've got gronk and i don't know how how are these guys all all on the same team here but uh, <laughs> you know you know yeah i got it <laughs> I've, I've got this veteran a short-term guy i'm ready to move him you're ready to win a title. Let's, let's do this. No. And I think that's the, something that, that, that I get encountered all the time. I encounter all the time through my chats or on Twitter, people always talk about more, they think about trading for specific players and that's really not right. the correct way to trade at all. You need to one, if you want to successfully trade, you need to find someone who has, who needs what you have, what you're willing to sell, whether it be any player and you go from there and then vice versa. Like you said, the, I had to find these lower end rosters and, not look at specific specific players, but what do they have? What 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 can I what can I grab from these rosters to help me out to help my teams out? But a lot of people think about fantasy trading and think about targeting a specific player when it's really you should be targeting teams that need what you want or targeting teams that you know have have uh, this unfortunate you know position in the standings right now in these leagues. Um, right, and and you mentioned you know being aggressive, se- selling future picks. I mean, personally, I'm not usually doing that. Um, you and I play in a lot of Debbie leagues as well. I'm I'm not uh, usually in a hurry to give up even those Debbie players, those, those futures. Uh, of course, sometimes sometimes you've got to make a deal. I mean, you and I pulled off one recently um, where I gave up gave up some futures to help win. Now, hopefully, we'll see. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, in general, I'm trying to protect the future, and because of that, I'm that ultimately re- results in me not being um, not being super aggressive, but looking for those uh, those short term assets that can help me. Yeah, and that also keeps your long your your big picture window open longer. I've seen a lot of teams on the other, on the top they do sell out, and either you don't win or you do cash in, and you get that nice cushion of you know, hey, I got the trophy, I got my you know nice cushion of winnings, but then it also hurts you in the long run because you start to have some injuries the next year. Now you have no picks uh, and then other things fall apart. It goes quick in this game. It it, it definitely does. Yeah. Things that you believe are stable are never stable. Um, And I, so when I first started playing dynasty, that was one of my biggest things that I had to learn in dynasty was I would say, I've got these draft picks and these futures that are more of a, more of a lottery, we should say, or, you know, maybe don't, they all don't work out and they all pan out. So I would try to use those 
uh, assets as currency uh, to try to get actual, you know, actual production players. And that was a hard lesson learned my first few years in dynasty to just understand the appreciation of future picks. And yeah, the, the pick itself may not always work out, but the pick only increases in value up until the point of the pick comes to be made. Um, and that's something during the point of the season that teams lose focus on. So it's a great time to buy picks. We're almost at like the greatest fulcrum to buy picks from, yep. from teams. Uh, if you are someone like that. So if you are a team at the bottom, uh, you know, you, like you said, you being realistic is the most important thing, but this is a great time to kind of accrue picks in those teams. What if you have, what if you're a team at the bottom and you don't have a lot, but you've got a couple of these assets, like right in the middle. What if I, what if say hypothetically, cause I know this probably isn't any of your teams, but say you are, uh, you know, two and five right now, and you have a Jonathan Taylor. Uh, or like one of these, one of these guys that is like a supreme asset and specifically, I'm not trying to nudge you to say it's a running back, but you know, <laughs> if it is a running back, uh, yeah, we, you know, we can go that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, how are you handling having that? You've got, you've got a bad roster, but you have like two absolute blue chip assets. Are you trying to build around those? Or are you trying to use that, those blue chip assets to turn into more assets? So I think there's a little bit of it depends there. You know, it, if, if I yeah, always, <laughs> always, always context. Uh, I, I mean, if I really like my roster and um, and whatever injuries have done me in or I, I was counting on Deshaun Watson or, you know, whatever, there, there's that certain uh, that certain team out there that you could still like for 2022. And you've got Jonathan Taylor on it. Uh, and you're and you're losing now. If that's if that's the case, I'm probably trying to hold on. Uh, that's probably not the case though, right? If if you're one and six, two and five, you've got that one star. Especially if it's Jonathan Taylor or, or any of these other top running backs, it, it's time to move on, right? You're you're probably two years from uh, from really competing, and you don't want the running back to be your first piece. You want the running back to be your last your last piece. So focus on wide receiver. Focus on draft picks load up there, fix everything else. And then when you feel like you're ready to compete, then go pay the price for a, for a Taylor type uh, or, or even, you know, even just some depth pieces. I mean, Leonard Fournette right now is great. And in two years, there's going to be another Leonard Fournette type that's mm-hmm. cheap and productive. Yeah, always. Yeah. Yeah. They don't try to steer you to the running backs, but yeah, a lot of teams though I see, they have these top five running backs and we all know from on a weekly level and a seasonal level, having an alpha running back is the biggest tide turner in fantasy football. But a lot of teams that don't have great overall rosters will hold on to those assets through the roughest, you know, period of their whole roster. And then by the time that roster gets good, those players are burnt out. And then you yeah. don't have, then you don't have that, that queen piece on the chessboard anymore. And you do, and you didn't get it. You didn't maximize any of the value of that, having one of those assets. Well, I mean, like we see that in the NFL, right? I mean, yes. we see we see terrible teams with that <laughs> that one star player. I mean, uh, I mean, Calvin Johnson, like it. I've heard people say his career w- was uh, was wasted, and of course, you know, big picture, that's not the case. He was awesome, but uh, I mean, he didn't he didn't get to enjoy that team success, um, and so many other players are in the same situation. Yeah. And, and, you know, that we, we tied that into dynasty, but there's a lot of redraft, uh, you know, strategy for your team and redraft too the same way, you know, targeting, you know, targeting, you know, not targeting specific players and teams and doing, you know, some of those moves uh, if you're on the fence right now. Uh, I do want to ask you, since I have you and you do these mock drafts, uh, you know, throughout the year for DLF and you kind of keep a pulse on where the, uh, where the ebb and flow is for player value. And so I want to at least get, I want to get some, some Ryan McDowell player value, not just the field. Uh, so I do want to ask you, obviously we've had this phenomenal run here. Jamar Chase obviously is just smashing right now. Just, I, I did a show with you two years ago with Curtis Patrick. And yeah. the, uh, the, the, the goal of the show was to predict the following seasons uh, dynasty ADP for wide receivers. And at that time you had Jamar Chase while he was at LSU in <laughs> the top 12 wide receivers is he already locked into being the wide receiver one for dynasty Uh, he's my wide receiver one so he's my wide receiver one right now he's my 101 um i mean if we're doing overall overall above any running back um i would not say he's locked in big picture if you want to talk adp or community or, or or whatever 
mainly because there's so much competition, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's five or six uh, good young wide receivers in that same range. Obviously his former LSU teammate, Justin Jefferson kind of chief among them. Uh, CD lamb is another that has, has produced early this year and, and has seen a big value spike. He, I mean, lamb was not even a, uh, a first round dynasty startup pick most of the off season. And now he's in, in that contention for, uh, wide receiver one spot. And even if he's your three or four, still likely a, a first rounder. Um, so for me, yeah, it's chase. Um, I mean, everything we saw in college, everything we've seen through, uh, of course, the short sample size, but it's, it's the only sample size we have, right? I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not a random seven game stretch, you know, for, for Stefan Diggs or Calvin Ridley. It's like every NFL game he's played combined has been, record setting uh so like what's not to like yeah um, and pair that with his final college season just we we haven't had a sample bad yet yeah so <laughs> i mean as far as the you know as far as the adp and, and that show we did that was a that was a great show uh we definitely need to run that back at some point but i mean that's that's kind of the trend that we've seen with wide receivers entering the league is that uh, even that that rookie wide receiver one whoever it is has a good chance to be top 12 in dynasty uh, basically from the jump um so that that wasn't you know i wish i could take more credit as as uh being able to to predict the future there but really it was just kind of based on uh the expectation that lamb i'm sorry that uh that chase would be the wide receiver one in that class and seeing what we what we uh had seen play out in the past couple of years so outside of even just understanding how the market works are you someone that like you agree with this right like the i mean not to get you agree with me but do you agree with the actual adp where it's gone that uh to be aggressive on these players that have these small samples is it all right uh we obviously have seen some guys you know have great rookie years and then not have really good it might be the best season of their careers are sure. you someone that believes that the the market like should follow suit uh, based on just a small sample or if you have someone uh like say dk metcalf like you should stock that a little bit more because he's got uh he's he's only a, a couple of years older but also has a larger body of work i mean when it, when you're talking chase specifically or when you're talking kyle pitts if you want to move to the tight end position yep. uh then absolutely because uh, again we've got uh, we've got the evidence from their college career, from their profile, from from everything. Um, if it's random, you know, breakout player that we didn't, he was a third round pick. It, it's a little tougher to get on board. I mean, even think about your guy up that way, Terry McLaurin, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he's a day two pick. He blows up basically from week one of his rookie year. And he obviously gained quite a bit of value, but he's still fighting the, the draft capital fight, right? Mm-hmm. Like even a couple three of years, years later, <laughs> right, right. We're, he's still not on that level. And, and part of it is because he wasn't that blue chip guy that we all expected this from day one. Yeah. We've seen that kind of happen to a couple guys. I mean, even, uh, you know, Chris Godwin was like that for a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And Alan Robinson, uh, they didn't have quite as far as draft capital. Terry McCoy's a little bit of an outlier in terms of where he got drafted, but the non premium draft capital guys, have had to fight a little bit for multiple years. Like you said, show a larger body of work. Pitts is a guy like a lot of us actually just entered this year with him as the tight end one, uh, because like you said, the at least wide receiver, the wide receiver landscape at least has some bodies. If you want to push back on chase and say, well, I like Justin Jefferson. Like you're even you that has chase one one is not going to be like, Oh, you're that's just crazy. Yeah. Right. But when you look at the tight end landscape, I mean, Kyle Pitts just turned 21 years old this October, 22 days ago from recording this. He just turned 21. <laughs> and you look at the rest of the tight end landscape. Obviously, we've got Kelsey, who's already 32. Darren Waller's 29 because, you know, a lot of people lose. You, Darren Waller lost the front half of his career. Uh, George Kittle now is 28 and is seemingly stuck in this. Uh, you know, George Kittle's too good at too many things now. Like, is, is his problem. one, he can't stay, he hasn't been healthy on the field, and he's too good at too many things to really get, have, like, an elite target share. Um, the closest guys we have kind of to pits on the age, age spectrum and trajectory are these guys like Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. They're already three years, you know, older than Kyle Pitts. Uh, so really with Kyle Pitts, like, it's it's really kind of a no contest that he's the tight end 101. 
are the, uh, the tight end one overall, but where do you put Kyle Pitts in the, in like an actual startup? Where do you believe he belongs? Yeah, you're, you're totally right on that. I don't think there's any conversation that he's, he's the tight end one in dynasty. In fact, if, I mean, if you look at the four positions, you can argue Mahomes versus Kyler, you can argue, uh, I mean, running back is suddenly wide open, I think. Um, and wide receiver obviously is as well as, as we talked about, just with so many strong options. But tight ends, the, the one where we see the biggest gap from one to two, I think, which sounds crazy because if it's Travis Kelsey or, or Darren Waller or whoever it is, obviously they're so proven and it feels like a little bit of a, of a slap in the face to to even go that way. But that's, that's just the dynasty game. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, we've already seen like the Kyle Pitts thing has just been a series of um, dynasty managers and, and analysts have gotten in on this as well, just trying to one up each other. Right. Like, um, <laughs> I mean, it started it yep. started by saying um, he's he's the one one in rookie drafts. And, and that seemed crazy for a while. And then that kind of became accepted. Right. And then it was he's the dynasty tight end one. And that seemed crazy for a while. And then it became ex- accepted. And, and I think the, the latest, and I've already seen it in some of these uh, late startups that happen, is either that he's a first round dynasty startup pick, which I would not push back on at all, or he's the dynasty 101, the 101. So, I mean, I've already said five minutes ago that Chase is my 101 and you don't have to look you know, look far to find somebody who wants pits over chase. If you're talking updated rookie rankings, two months in, uh, I think we're going to see him go one Oh one in dynasty startup drafts this off season. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. That's, that's pretty wild to think of a tight end actually getting there. It, ha- it would have to be the first time, right. That, 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 that ever happened. I don't know where, Gron- where did Pete Gronk, Pete Gronk was. Yeah. So, in, so he Gronk- was in the first. Yeah, so Gronk, according to our ADP, and, and you mentioned it a little bit, I, I do mock drafts for DLF, and I've done those for nine years now, every single month for nine years. Um, and I have found those to be pretty pretty similar to actual startup drafts that are going on at the same time, and, and then we do them in season, as we've been talking about, so that, that kind of offers a different view, I think. But uh, Pete Gronk was 102. He was, he was 1.02, second overall. Uh, I think the 101 at that point was, I think it was still Calvin Johnson, honestly, but uh, yeah, it, probably. It was one of, yeah, it was one of those wide receivers, but 102 was Gronk's highest um, ADP, according to, to our data at DLF. Yeah, I remember being on some of the Gronk startup trains and then, then that got uh, derailed pretty quick just to, uh, you know, for him being not being able to on the field and then yeah. it snowballed really quickly. Um yeah, you, you kind of hit it upon running back being wide open. I mean, right now, who is your running back? One, who's your RB1? It, it's Jonathan Taylor, but yeah, it's too. it's like, it, <laughs> I don't want to say it's flimsy ground that he's on there, but uh, I think some of the questions that we've had with Derrick Henry over the years, we're, we're going to have with Jonathan Taylor yes. as far as pass game involvement. Um, I thought maybe workload would be a question. Uh, in in a in a good direction, right? We're worried about Derrick Henry getting too many carries. I thought that might be the case with Taylor, but it it definitely hasn't been so far. Uh, you know, probably more of uh, a complaint about him not getting enough work. Yes, through, <laughs> that's where first, we are right now. <laughs> right through these first eight weeks. So, uh, but yeah, it's Taylor for me. I think Swift is is definitely knocking on the door uh, for sure with with his usage and and just his skill set. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I was going to lead in and see how much Swift jumped for you just based on the start of the season. Because I've seen him be a couple of people's, you know, uh, right in that conversation. Um, I'm curious to see how much that with this conversation is uh, next year with Javante Williams, where he is at this point a year from now. Uh, yeah, he's a weird one in, <laughs> in Dynasty. I think there's there's some perception out there that he's lost value or he's been a disappointment. I don't see that at all. He's I mean, only 21 he's, years old, too. Right. He, he's a gainer to me. We know, you know, we know Melvin Gordon is, is gone soon. Um, soon being probably the end of this season. So yeah, I mean, Williams is, is certainly in the RB one conversation. If you're talking uh, top 12. 
how how in Dynasty do you handle from either a ranker or a drafter these young running backs that made the jump this offseason but suffered injuries like a J.K. Dobbins or Cam Akers? Do those guys lose a lot of value in your mind or do they become potential buys? I mean, Akers lost a ton just because of, you know, the, the nature of his injury um, and what we've seen historically from that. I mean, everybody at this point knows the story and we've seen the list and things and it's it's pretty bad. But I mean, just the reports over even over the past few days that he mm-hmm. could play in the playoffs and, and um, you know, you don't want to buy the hype too much. But that that has to be encouraging. Um, and, and obviously we love the talent. Then you also have to factor in specifically with him what Daryl Henderson has done. Um, I mean, Daryl Henderson has been what we thought Cam Akers would be this year. Um, that that all around uh, all around scorer and 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 the RB one basically. So um, I don't know it with with Akers with Dobbins with ETN. I mean, we've seen them fall in ranks and we've seen them fall in ADP, but I haven't seen their trade value drop too much you know that people are not giving those guys away i think the the situation where you can maybe get them is if they're if they're on a contending team and they need to pivot right they need that one more running back or or even one more weekly scorer and and you can flip um you know i don't know a, a wide receiver two type for for one of those guys you brought up a name that I was that on your own that I was going to try to steer towards to get your opinion on. You brought up Travis Etienne. I was going to bring up his teammate and how this plays into it because you know all off season, James Robinson was such a clear yeah. sell for most people, and you know a clear sell. I I was in on James Robinson in a lot of rookie drafts, and I sold him in probably about half where I could upgrade. But now he is built up a more. He's added to his resume of being a productive player. How do we handle James Robinson in Dynasty right now? I mean, he just he just keeps producing, and is he's another one. His price hasn't been affected that much, right? I still think there's a lot of concern about him long term. Uh, I mentioned on uh, on the DLF pod a few weeks ago, he's almost valued like um, I don't know, like like Frank Gore was a couple of years ago, right? Like, like it's the end like of his already career. out of the league. Yeah. Right. Right. He's being valued. Like, like he's not going to be around that much longer. And th- that's just crazy. Like you can buy him. We, we've got a pretty cool tool at, at DLF called the, the trade finder um, that you can look up actual trades that have happened in dynasty leagues hosted on uh, my fantasy league. You look at that right now, and there's there's multiple trades of James Robinson for a second round pick. So, I mean, th- that is out there. You know, can it happen in your league? I don't know, but I would try. <laughs> uh, I mean, James Robinson. I already talked about Fournette as a guy I would be trying to buy if I'm contending. I think both of those guys are too cheap. Yeah, the interesting thing about James Robinson as well is that he's going to play next year with a player coming off of an ACL injury, and then also in a contract year because he was an undrafted free agent he only is on a rookie contract for three years. So he's going to be in the open market again after next season. And who knows what could happen? Is he, does he go be a bell cow somewhere else? The Jaguars resign him. There's so much uh, to be known, but yeah, I have found, I don't have a full regret for trading him because it's, you know, it, it, I think process wise taking those first round picks for him was for good sure. and I won't be regretful, but uh, obviously now that he's built a larger body of work and compared to where I got him in rookie drafts, uh, is an absolute smash, which ties into this next group of guys I kind of want to just pick your brain about. What if you're in rookie drafts now and you have hit the, I don't want to say it's not such of a gold mine, but your your round late round two picks, your late round three, round four picks, you ran into an Elijah Mitchell, a Khalil Herbert, uh, a Kenneth Gainwell. How are you handling those assets right now? Do you see those if you have those as these guys can help me now? My process was right all along to be in on these guys. Uh, that's why I drafted them. Or do you see that as like, oh, I can upsell these guys immediately? I think Mitchell, you can upsell. Um, he, he's the one that I think has some some legit value um, and some some long term hope. I mean, if you if you watch Gainwell, and I mean, obviously Sanders is still there, and they're not even using running backs anyway. Like. Uh, Gainwell has shown flashes, but I don't know if it's enough that you can get a real, uh, a real strong ROI, honestly. Um, and then with, uh, with Herbert, it's just the David Montgomery thing. Like what happens when, when Montgomery comes back, 
who knows? Um, so because of that, I don't think the the price is there for either of those guys. But Mitchell's the one I think. Uh, I mean, you could you could sell Mitchell for a first rounder right now in, in a ton of leagues. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people that uh, are on this Jeff Wilson train of Jeff Wilson's going to come and ruin things for people, which is I, I haven't been able to get over that hurdle so far. One, it's a player that's already been hurt for almost it's basically going to be hurt for, you know, several months and coming back uh, in the middle of the season. And Jeff Wilson also has been a productive player when no one else has been in the lineup. But, uh, you know, when they've had to share some time, Jeff Wilson hasn't really done much on his own. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think that's a little bit of us as as fantasy players remembering like the best of Jeff of Jeff Wilson. Yes, right? Exactly. Like, we remember his 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 top moments and we forget the everything else. But it's also just confusion and frustration with with the 49ers, <laughs> specifically their backfield, but really, really the entire yeah their whole their uh, whole uh, season this year. I mean, I know I know that's your squad, but gosh, they it's I don't even know what to say anymore. You know, Ayuk and Sermon, and Sermon, those those are kind of, I mean, even eight weeks in, those are in in some ways two of the biggest stories in dynasty because those are players that they were gaining value consistently all off season. I think I topped out as an early third rounder in our ADP and sermon, uh, I think was a fourth or fifth rounder and, and you're just getting nothing from them. And based on what we've seen in the past with the running back carousel, what we saw with Dante Pettis, um, you know, there's, there's a little fear that, that they're just going to go to zero. Yeah. And you have those guys and, you know, Michael Carter has been more or less, I guess, fine, but you know, you have the guys like Sermon who's who now is basically bottoming out already seven games yeah. in. I mean, these are guys that were going over like a first round rookie wide receiver and Kadarius Tony. And like, that looks like an absolute just travesty right now. Like, and I know it's only seven games, but the, those guys were front second round picks. And you have a guy like Kadarius Tony that was a first round draft pick, like the third receiver. And he was going mid to late second in one quarterback leagues. I mean, there's like in every draft, but especially in every rookie draft, there's those like there's those hot potato players that we don't Mm -hmm. want to get stuck with. Right. Um, And and it's just it it just became becomes a game of chicken. Like who's going to take Josh Allen in the Superflex draft? You know, Daniel Jones was like that. And Daniel Jones. Both of those guys fell to the second round of Superflex drafts. Herbert was another one that had even better pedigree and he fell. Right. Right. Um, and Herbert, we even had the conversation of, okay, we saw it with Allen two years ago. We saw it with mm-hmm. Daniel Jones last year. Don't let it happen again. And it still happened. Um, so, <laughs> you know, we just, we just fall into that group think too much. Sometimes if Tony was, Tony was a reach, even though, um, even though three NFL teams are, yes. are basically on record that they wanted him in the first round. And I mean, I don't want to, you know, this is not revisionist history. I was not in on Tony either. I don't have him. I think I have him on one roster or something. So, I mean, I fell for it too. Um, but taking taking guys like Carter or Sermon, um, those those day day two or sometimes even day three running backs. I think well, I think Keyshawn Vaughn was the day three back, right? We, we did it with Keyshawn Vaughn the year before. Yeah. Yes. So we just keep making the same dumb mistakes and like yeah, those running backs are going to hit those day three running backs are going to hit like Elijah Mitchell, like Hubbard, like Gainwell, but you don't pay a first round price for him. Like it's the, it's the cost that that's the issue. Not that you've got this player on your team. Yeah. I, it's, it's definitely a hard lesson to be learned to elevate, you know, one I've always tried to, I've gone on is to remove landing spot. It does get factored in, but we've seen now two years in a row. I mean, Trey Sermon looks identical to like what happened to Keyshawn Vaughn, right? Yeah, it's, it looks, it's the same it thing. It looks exactly the same thing on the surface. And, uh, you know, definitely it's it's hard to not get invested and to get excited. Oh, we got a Kyle Shanahan running back. We traded up for him. And then these things happen. But to elevate him over a first round. He traded it up for Joe Williams too, right? <laughs> he did, yeah. And Ayuk and Lance. And we see how this is all going. <laughs> it's a, it's not going well. Uh, basically, anyone that regime is a trade up for, Ruben Foster, uh, it's not going oh, well uh, for them. Um, I do want to pick your brain he, he on one. He keeps getting the credit though. Yeah, yeah. I do want to pick your brain on one other guy that is just, we kind of, I brought him up earlier in the show, and that's Cooper Cup. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, a little bit, we don't want to say he's older, he's an older prospect. He went to a small school and, you know, right. um, he's been in the league for, he's, he's a veteran wide receiver at this point. It's safe to say him. he's on a second contract. Uh, he's obviously destroying. He's having, he's on, he's pacing to have the greatest fantasy season uh, of any wide receiver in NFL history, whether it sustains itself or not to this point that exists, obviously is a big factor of a lot of team success. How are we handling him? Because I mean, I want to say, in startups and I may be wrong, but in the off season, he was probably considered maybe like in the wide receiver 30 ish area. Like, am I, am I far off? No, that's probably about right. Um, definitely like fifth, sixth, seventh round range in startups. Um, and, and of course, one of, one of the huge value gainers uh, early this season so far. So it's, I mean, it's just like the give and take of, how much can we move this guy up because he's 28 years old? But then you, you know, you look at Devonte Adams, also 28. He's considered a top five wide receiver by most people. And, and I just try Stephon to find Diggs, right? Stefan Diggs, 27. And I think Diggs is really the interesting name there because I think cup is basically just this year's Diggs, Right. Um, and, and more was made about it with Diggs last year because he's switching teams and, benefiting from that from from the upgraded quarterback from the different offense from you know being the true number one and not battling with with another guy and and although cup you know cup didn't change teams obviously but he gets the new quarterback that does and that's that's really been the difference maker for him um so yeah cup feels a little bit like the digs to me and and I've already, I've always said, you know, looking at ADP, once you hit this certain age, whether depending on what position you are, um, you're not gaining value, right? Like once you're, once you're a 26, 27 year old mm-hmm. wide receiver, you're just not going to gain much value. And, and Diggs really proved me wrong last year. I mean, he got all the way up to a, a high second round startup pick. And, and he's still, he's pretty much maintained that, honestly. So I think we could see, cup do the exact same thing even though he's 28 years old so i mean i really try to and again especially once we we have a little bit of a track record because of course Diggs had already produced even though not quite to that same level of course cup has produced as well same thing not not to the same level so it's he's not a total fluke he's not robbie anderson or something like that um so i i really try to take the names out of it and think I've got this 28-year-old wide receiver for a strong offense with a top quarterback. He's my wide receiver for. I've got this other proven 28-year-old wide receiver, strong quarterback, good offense. He's my wide receiver 15, right? Like what's the disconnect? And it's mm-hmm. it's just it's just our priors. That's it. You're right. So, so why isn't cup, you know, that, that either means I need to move Adams down or, or cup up and I've moved cup up. I think he's, I think cup is my wide receiver 10 now. So still some, some room to grow there. So if you have him on a, a dynasty roster and you say this, like you don't see this as just a, a moment, like you have to just go ahead and cash out on him. You've got maybe a runway of at least a few more years of maybe not for this production, but you know, Stafford's not going to retire in the next three years. Uh, obviously he just re re up the contract right. last off season. So it's, it's a scenario where you more or less want to hold or obviously if someone knocks on your door at the bank, but still, but uh, sure. you want to ride this thing out. Yeah. I would say the same. I, I think he's in that group of uh, Keenan of Allen Adam. is like this. Uh, yeah. I wish, I wish Allen was, was worth a little bit more. He's the one I have more shares of, but um <laughs> I think I think Cup is now in the Adams Tyreek uh, Diggs conversation of yeah if I've got him great if I can pivot down to one of those other guys or not down but if I can pivot to um, one of those guys we were talking about earlier any of that uh, Jefferson Lamb DK Chase AJB group if I can move to any of those I'm doing it but to panic sell on, on Cup no not at all. Th- that tier of wide receivers is probably lofty just because people probably know what they have. But what about the secondary tier? If uh, you have Cooper cup and I'm willing to entertain giving you Jerry Judy, is that like a tier? Like you're willing to want you, what would you want that? Where is it too far away? 
Um, again, that kind of goes back to the other conversation of where you stand team wise. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm contending, then I'm not considering that at all, really. Um, but if I'm if you're at the top and I'm at the bottom of the standings, then then sure, I'm I'm at least considering that. Probably knowing I can push for for a little bit more, whether it's another prospect or a, a second round pick or something like that. Um, so yeah, if I'm at the bottom of the standings, I'm still considering moving uh moving on from cup and, and the thing that cup has and i guess Diggs, this is probably true of Diggs as well is cup has that injury history like it's it hasn't been the major injury uh, fortunately for him um through his nfl career but it's just always something with cooper cup and that hasn't been the case this year you know we've seen it with a lot of these breakout guys debo samuels the same way mike williams is the same way. All three of those guys are players that we have to worry about injuries with. Uh, and, you know, knock on wood, they, they've, they've gotten over it so far this year. And, and I hope they continue that. It's, it's been fun to watch all three of those guys. Yeah. I've got a lot of Mike Williams teams. They're happy that have wrote out some, some, some lean Mike Williams years <laughs> uh, waiting for this moment. <laughs> so hopefully we get a couple more weeks of it at least. Uh, if not more, and he can get a second contract. And maybe it was just all been unlocked and we don't get Devontae Parker. But uh, <laughs> I do want to ask you before we switch over to kind of some some things that are topical to, you know, week eight NFL action. Uh, since I do have the godfather of Dynasty League football uh, on the show, uh, you've got to hit me with uh, someone that's in your top 10 Dynasty wide receivers that maybe the field's undervaluing. Um. You know, my top 10 is pretty vanilla right now, honestly. I, I, I do have Chase Claypool's wide receiver 13. That's uh, all right. That's solid. Yeah, that, that's a little higher than uh, than ADP. It's higher than most of the – or it's higher than all the other rankers, I think, at DLF. So um, that's that's a guy I definitely still believe in, believe in the talent and, uh, and not worried about the situation. Looking forward to a, a new quarterback like, like <laughs> anybody who has – you know, Claypool or Deontay or any of these guys on their roster. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm still a Claypool believer and, and a buyer. Uh, all right. So I, I guess how, how many, how many redraft leagues are you in redraft leagues? Do you play in? Uh, obviously Scott Fishbowl um, that, that used to be the only one, but I jumped in a couple others this year. I'm in uh, I got to do the, the sleeper bowl with the, uh, AJ Dillon got to draft against oh, AJ nice. Dillon. So that yeah. that's pretty fun. My team is terrible. You know, I was thinking about that as you were talking earlier in the show that just kind of the difference between redraft and dynasty. And um it's it's so tough in redraft. You know, if you're if you're two and two and four, two and five, whatever, wherever we are now, uh you want to keep you know integrity of the integrity of the league. You want to yeah. keep submitting lineups and replacing you never want to be that guy you never right. want to be that guy don't be that guy but it's all i also kind of feel like i've gotten hit up with some trade offers lately in in that league i'm stink i'm at the bottom of the standings and 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 these you know these bottom feeders are, are coming after me these sharks are coming after me scott fish <laughs> and curtis patrick trying to to get my my one or two decent players and i almost feel guilty in redraft making a trade that benefits one team at the top. Like I almost feel like you just sometimes just have to ride it out because I mean, a trade isn't going to do anything for me at this point. So that's, that's just another difference in redraft versus dynasty. No, that's a great point. Uh, And I don't know if a lot of people have that integrity, but just understanding like how much this trade is going to alter the league when it doesn't change my position, you know, where that's not true in dynasty uh, at all. And that's a, uh, a great point and a wrinkle that is not often thought about. And that's why you always see people on Twitter or anything talk about like trade vetoes and stuff. And that's why trade vetoes exist still in some leagues because people get pissed off when that stuff happens. Hey, Ryan, you're one and eight and you traded uh, away Devontae Adams. Like, right. come on, man. Like, come on. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, exactly. and, that's, and that's why. So that's a good, that's a great point. But uh, since you are in a, a summary draft leagues, I always ask every guest. Uh, who is a guy you still are kind of like standing for holding on your redraft rosters this year that you still believe in uh, this season? Uh, man, it's, it's been so tough. We, we already talked about Jeff Wilson. I kind of feel like that's probably the chalk <laughs> answer of, of just waiting for him to come. No one has uh, doubled up this answer yet. The whole 
the season so far, but all, all okay. different answers. Well, so. I'm, I'm not going Jeff Wilson, but I've, I've, <laughs> I would imagine somebody has. Um, the guy I, I really thought would make an impact, and, and he hasn't yet, but now I think maybe he has a chance, is Phil Lindsay. Uh, okay. I've, I've held on to Lindsay. Uh, in in all of my teams that I've where I have him, you know, redraft and dynasty, thinking um, really that he's the most talented back on that team, and that's of course not saying that's not saying a ton. But uh, they move on from Mark Ingram, get get rid of him, opens things up a little bit, I think. Uh, so now you know now just DJ and and Lindsay basically will we'll see if uh, see if he can creep into fantasy lineups here down the stretch. Yeah, I think the dynamic fits well because David Johnson's been such a bad runner and he yeah. still offers a lot as a receiver and that and Lindsay's been the opposite. Lindsay's been such an efficient runner and such a terrible receiver. Yeah. Now that it's just the two of them and granted it's a bad team, but now that it's just the two of them, you can see where the, the pieces at least fit together better than it did with a guy like Mark Ingram who's just a, you know, an early down battering ram and was accruing all those touches for God knows what reason, except for, I guess, to showcase him, I guess, to get something back. Uh, It worked out. Uh, But, uh, but I, you, you do see how it does fit together, fit together better with a guy like David Johnson and um, who has really gotten no design carries last week, last week was most carries in a game. So we'll see how that dynamic plays out, especially with Tyrod coming back. Maybe there's at least an inkling. This is a team that scored six offensive touchdowns with Tyrod in six quarters and they've scored five since. (laughs) So at least maybe. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) despite that number they it does feel like they've been more competitive than anybody expected them to for sure yeah hey they gotta win (laughs) yeah but even like i said even with tyrod i mean that first half against the browns they're in that game until tyrod gets hurt and then you know the davis mills experience uh was largely sour and great again it's not his fault really i mean davis mills is a guy played very little college football through the course of injuries he sustained and there's they had no plans of playing him at this point although we all thought he would play this year there was no plans to play him in week two uh, at all. And uh, especially because he was such a disaster in the preseason because he just hasn't played a lot of football and they but, threw him to the fire. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the problem with the Mills pick is that was your first pick in the draft. You, <laughs> I, I think, I think that's correct. They, yes. they didn't, didn't have a pick until they, they take Mills on day two. Um, you know, you're going to be terrible, right? Again, we talked about being honest with your fantasy team. We, that yeah. team needs to be honest. You know, you're going to be terrible. You know, you're going to be in the running to use that that top, if not the top pick, at least the top two or three pick, uh, potentially on a quarterback. And ideally, I would say Mills wouldn't get any work, right? Like you, you want to, you, you're going to roll with Tyrod, um, you know, barring injury, of course, and that happened. But even even when that plays out, you're still throwing out Mills with with a horrible offense, with no protection, with all that stuff that that goes into it, and you still don't really know what you what you've got. So you're either getting to the to the end of the season and Mills has played in this terrible situation, or Mills hasn't played at all and Tyrod's Tyrod's run it uh, start to finish. And it just becomes it was a wasted pick from day one. Yeah, uh, it's 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 crazy how that all played out. Maybe, maybe I'm I'm rooting for Tyrod. He's got kind of a bad, you know. Obviously, last year what happened to him, uh, oh you know, gosh, do, yeah. you know, and then that in that opened the door for Herbert, and then for him to get hurt after he was playing well this year. Uh, I've always had a soft spot for him. I mean, granted, he's you know a little Konami guy too, so I'm always going to have a little a little piece uh, to, to give to those guys. So I'm excited that he's at least back. See what he can do for a guy like Brandon Cooks too, as well. He's been a little yeah. uneven. Um, but I am excited to that. So let's at least spin this into some week eight actual redraft talk or it's, it's dynasty talk too. actually, if you're setting lineups, uh, something you do uh, every week uh, for the for the people on your Twitter account, which is, you know, at Ryan MC 23 uh, is you tweet a you call it the the weekly flow chart uh, that you do. So tell people what the flow chart is and uh, we can talk about some of the standouts here and, you know, as it pertains to week eight. Yeah, basically just kind of a focus on um, on weekly matchups, which, of course, I mean, I would say even as as recently as five or six years ago, it, I was just like the weekly starter studs guy, like the the, the best players uh, that that I had long term expectations for were the guys I was plugging in every week. And sometimes that worked if my teams were strong enough, but. I definitely wasn't putting in the work to really make my own team better with some tough weekly decisions. And then um, I would say when I really started 
honestly, when I really started reading the worksheet that, that you do and, and Evan's uh, matchups column every week, that started changing not only my success level and, and, uh, and weekly results, but uh, kind of changing my, my look on the weekly game as well. And I know this is a, a big thing that you push is just, you know, win, win the week, right? Um, so, yeah, I just uh, each week I, I pull the data, um, look at the, the top 12 scores, um, really from every angle that, that I can think of as far as uh, what, what specific players are doing. Uh, how they match up with uh, with the teams coming up uh, that that next week, and yeah, put out what I call, as you said, the flow chart. Just um, just kind of a, a simple look at that. Which teams have allowed the most quarterback one games, tight end one games, uh, and 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 the fewest as well. So it, I, I really use it kind of as a tiebreaker. Uh, I don't think you want to take any one piece of information and, and only rely on that. It's, it's a piece of the puzzle, but it, it's been helpful to me and, and hopefully helpful to, to uh, some other people as well. Yeah. I always like looking at that stuff, you know, the weekly finishes and, and allowed too, because it does put some, you can find better context uh, in the, in the, the, the schedule that's played out so far. I mean, mm-hmm. you might have a team yep. that's, 30th or probably not 30th because they're probably really bad but say like 25th and points allowed to a position but they got like they had like two games where they got wrecked and the other four like they're they're pretty solid but then you might have right. some teams that are kind of in that same boat but that are consistently just giving up good production they might it might not be like elite production where they're just giving up like the quarterback one every week but they're giving up a quarterback one every week and then if you go into the hood and it's like oh yeah like uh, you know, so, so example on your flow chart, obviously not to spoil everybody and give away the whole bag. You have a team like, uh, like, so like Washington has given up the most quarterback one performances so far this season. And they have, you know, faced the, you know, a moderately good schedule. But then when you go under the hood and you're like, oh no, this is a bad pass defense because they've yeah. given up QB one games to Daniel Jones. They've given up QB one games to Jameis Winston. They've given up QB one games to Matt Ryan. And now you have a, a roster and uh, even if I'm a dynasty league or I'm a, uh, a seasonal player and it's I've got a two QB league or my super flex league or just say I had a terrible run and I've got a or I've got Lamar Jackson, he's on by and uh, people pluck the waiver wire. But Teddy Bridgewater might be sitting out there or I've got Teddy Bridgewater, I want to play him in these lineups and you get more confidence of being able to play a guy like that because no one's ever excited to play Teddy Bridgewater, right? Like, you know, but, uh, but, but that's the kind of context you get, (laughs) you know, like I said, win the week. That's what we're looking for. And I love stuff like this too, from a DFS angle, Uh, obviously, you know, you can find some better plays, you know, because like I said, when DFS, the the biggest thing people typically glom onto in DFS are one play, the best play, and then just play the the best values in terms of pricing. Uh, Whereas you can at least play some matchups, uh, like this. I think that that is a great example because you look at, like I said, not to just pick on Washington, but they are also, as ties into giving up those quarterback performances, are giving up the most, you know, wide receiver one, two scoring weeks. And you have a guy like this week, especially as it pertains to DFS at four o'clock in Cortland Sutton, who is exactly the same price as a guy like Chris Godwin, who's going to be immensely more popular, but they're the same exact price. And then you have, now you have a leverage play and you have a pivot that can actually, you know, play against this guy that's going to be immensely popular for good reason but you get a little bit of insight there as well. Uh, so let's talk about some of these teams on here too, just to highlight. Uh, you've got the, uh, just let's, let's focus on our running back position for a minute because there is a clear divide. Uh, who is at the top here uh, to target for, for running back games, like high scoring running back games? Yeah, this is, this is pretty bad. So what I focus on with this is top 24 uh, games allowed. So RB1, RB2 in your, in your typical 12 team league. The Jets through uh, through seven weeks have allowed, and I think they had their buy already as well. So uh, I think that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. They have allowed ten uh, top twenty four games already. No other team has even allowed nine. So you know, you just even look at the chart, and sometimes sometimes that's helpful. <laughs> just the gap between the Jets and and everyone else, and um, yeah, yeah, pretty ugly. So this week the. Uh, the Jets get uh, get Joe Mixon and the Bengals. And I think a lot of people, I, I've, I've seen some talk on Twitter that people are even thinking Samaj P. Ryan. I don't know if they would go that way in DFS necessarily. That's a little bit too risky. Right. But, uh, you know, if you need if you need a flex guy 
This is basically the best team in the AFC at this point, which is crazy to say the Bengals. Um, but, but even Samaj P Ryan is, is maybe a flex guy this week with that matchup. Yeah. And uh, I put it in the worksheet too. The, so teams playing against the jets, they're running back their backfield combined. They average 36 touches per game against the mm. jets, uh, which to kind of put into context, the, uh, the Tennessee Titans obviously are the team that lead the NFL from an offensive stance and running back touches per game at 34.3. So basically facing the Jets, you're getting Derrick Henry usage. Uh, as wow. a, <laughs> you know, that's, just that's kind a of, good way to put it. To spin that into context because the Jets have been so bad. Obviously they're starting Mike White, you know, this week too, which I don't know, maybe even maybe a pause, maybe keeps them a little more on script. Uh, but the Jets have trailed by double digit points for 68% of their offensive snaps right now. That's the highest rate in the league. The Lions, who don't have a win yet, are at 40%. So think of the gap between those two teams and the game scripts that are involved with those. Uh, An interesting thing in that running back and the running back flow chart is two teams at the bottom, and one is the Bills, but two teams play each other that have RB1s this week. Uh, The the Browns and the Steelers play each other. And, you know, obviously we're excited uh, about the situation that Nick Chubb could have without Kareem Hunt, and we've definitely been excited about Najee Harris so far. Uh, but those guys have also faced some some good backs. Obviously, the Browns did get roasted by Austin Eckler. He was the one. Uh, mm-hmm. But definitely an interesting situation there uh, if you've got Najee and Nick Chubb. Yeah, I mean, I think with those guys, you just kind of have to to bite the bullet, yep. right? Uh, Always. I mean, not, not in DFS. <laughs> Again, we're talking two different things. And it's it's kind of funny because I, I put this out and I'm I'm the dynasty guy, but uh, the the most feedback and response I get on this comes from the DFS community and, and players it's um maybe been most beneficial to them which is funny i don't i don't even play dfs at this point but um yeah in a redraft league and a dynasty league you know you got nick chubb you've got Najee. Oh, yeah. you're you can't bench them you know this is like i said this is really a, a tiebreaker situation when you're deciding between um thinking about the quarterback position again you know you're deciding between teddy and um you know, I don't know, Kirk Cousins or, or something like that. Uh, let's see, Tua has a has a pretty tough matchup this week. That could be one a decision you could be making. That's that's kind of the tiebreaker situation that I I would use it for. Yeah, I think it's great for those tiers of guys, and like you said, especially in DFS or two quarterback leagues, or even like streaming quarterbacks, especially. You know, mm-hmm. listen, if I'm a team right now and I'm coming into tonight and I've got Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers right now, you see where he is in industry ranks and, you know, you had to have, at least have a conversation with yourself. If you're, you know, do I play a Teddy Bridgewater? Do I play a Daniel Jones over him? You know, there's at least a conversation to be had. I don't know if you get there in your own lineups, but that's at least uh, something to look at. (laughs) Yeah. Arizona's just been hit with, uh, with one QB one game, one top 12 games so far, Uh, several teams in that same situation. Uh, I mean, Dak against Minnesota, Brady against New Orleans, all of those teams have allowed just one QB one game on the season so far. So, um, you know, would I go as far as playing Teddy over those guys? No, I wouldn't. But um, again, it's, it at least gives you com- some context and, and kind of gets you away from where, where I said I was years ago of just, yeah, I'm, I'm starting Aaron Rodgers every week, no matter what, I'm not even looking at the matchup. Right. Uh, so just kind of you're just real quick, you can just run down some of these other positions, just share yeah. some of the teams at the top uh, at the other positions. We don't have to get into the weeds and specific plays, but just just so some people just have an idea, just because a lot of people, like I said, especially when you talk about like wide receiver position, people just look at wide receiver overall points, loud, which I have never been a fan of uh, just because there's there's too much nuance and one. Not all wide receivers play the same position. You might have one weak link because secondary play also is like a weak link part of your defense right you can have a great cornerback and still be a bad defense against the pass uh those types of things so just kind of share some of the teams at the top and if you want to get in touch with the teams in the bottom that have been really good so far uh go for that as well we'll let you out of here <laughs> yeah for sure for sure at, at running back we already talked jets and mixon uh three teams have allowed eight uh rb1 or rb2 games all of these kind of kind of that rb2 flex type uh type player so these are guys you you may not view as automatic starters, but Chuba Hubbard, Michael Carter, Zach Moss, uh, based on those mm-hmm. matchups, uh, are, are deserving of consideration this week. Uh, looking at the wide receiver uh, position, teams that have allowed the most wide receiver one, wide receiver two games. Uh, we already talked Washington. They get Sutton. 
Uh, also get Jerry Judy back uh, based on reports. So that's, that's another win for, for Teddy. Um, and then also Tennessee Titans, they, they got out there early. I think they allowed um, six wide receiver one games the first three weeks. I think that's the stat. Uh, so it, it was ugly early for the Titans has, has slowed down a little bit lately, uh, obviously based on those numbers, Michael Pittman uh, in the Colts against Tennessee this indoors. Week indoors Hilton still a little banged up it seems like really the the entire Colts roster banged up so Pittman feels pretty safe he's definitely coming on uh Seattle has allowed eight top 24 wide receiver games and they get the Jags Chenault and Marvin Jones um some teams at the bottom of that list four teams have only allowed uh two top 24 games to wide receivers Baltimore's on by but Buffalo against Jalen Waddell Chargers against Jacoby Myers and this is really going to be kind of the uh the the interesting matchup here is Jets Bengals Jets have only allowed two top 24 games and and Chase is of course on a on a heater so we'll see what happens with Chase and Higgins and, and Boyd uh I would I would go on that side if I'm trying to to uh, make that decision you're not you're not sitting chase obviously i wouldn't even sit t higgins based on this matchup yeah and uh, the jets are one of those teams that are interesting because we just it ties into what we talked about the game script that the jets have been in have made it so teams just don't have to throw anymore and that's where you're not seeing the production kind of right. cor- correlate to what we believe the jets defense is or what they are on a per play basis it's just that teams don't have to throw on them <laughs> yeah and it's not yeah and game script not only you know, not only the other team is leading uh, in in the majority of the game, but the Jets are slowing it down too, which just is unreal to think about that that they should be throwing more and, and they're really not. Um, so yeah, just, tough team, but I'm still still certainly. You saw that with Gase even last year. You know, everyone got yeah. on Gase for it for being like, "Hey, why are you guys still running?" <laughs> yeah. like, Listen, we're just trying to get out of here. <laughs> you know, I, I I do I put another chart together as a part of all this. Uh, which basically looks at um, the top 12 games that a team has been involved in and whether they scored them themselves or they allowed those games. And, and it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of chasing game script. And I know, you know, I know Thorman does a good job with, with pace and all that. It's kind of in that same realm, I guess you could say, but just looking at how many top 12 games has this team been involved in, whether they scored them themselves or they allowed them and, you know, when you get that good matchup of, of both teams uh, being involved in, in a lot of top 12 games, of course, those are the ones we want to chase. And, and typically those align pretty well with, with over-unders and, and things like that. Beautiful. Um, and you can find all those on, on Ryan's Twitter feed. He shares them. Yep, it's not just a dynasty guy. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, man, it was, it was a pleasure having you on. I'm glad that you took the time. And like I said, for all the teachers out there, uh, we'll voice our thanks to, through you. We'll thank all the teachers through you. They're doing uh, all of the Lord's work for us, uh, us parents and, you know, everyone that has uh, struggled, you know, especially even at home, you know, that, that, that had to, I don't know how many people are still doing, you know, stuff online, uh, but, you know, everyone's still doing that too. And the teacher's taking the time out of their day. Uh, so let everyone know kind of where they can find you, the work you're doing, where they can find these charts. Let everyone know uh, what you're up to. Yeah, you can you can follow me on Twitter at RyanMC23. Everything we've talked about the past few minutes, the charts and the, the list and the data all there. Uh, you can find my work at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Beautiful. That'll put a bow on things. Uh, good luck to everybody. Hopefully everyone hits those cash lines. Uh, get that first, you know, get that win coming out of uh, the halfway point and really set up and ramp up uh, for the home stretch here of fantasy. And we'll be back in week nine. Thank